What's up, Mosaic family? How are y'all doing tonight? Yeah, it's good to see you. Hey, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're singing a song called Psalm 150, which is about raising our voice to God, making a shout unto Him. So I wanna hear you singing tonight. So glad to worship with y'all. You trace the mountain peaks, you paint the evening skies with wonders. The earth, it is your throne, from desert to the sea, all nature testifies your splendor.
Amen. Praise the Lord. So, hey, y'all can take a seat. Hi there, Mosaic. Welcome tonight. My name is Hannah. Um, we are gonna have another prayer pause. For those of you who have been here for those, um, really it's just a time to sit with the Lord and to hopefully encounter the things about his character um, that we talk about. It's easy to sing about, but hopefully have some space to encounter those things in him. Um, so we started these things called a formation prayer. This is the second time, the second month of this. Hopefully some of you guys, hopefully all of you, got one of these at the door. If not, please grab one on your way out. Um, but this formation prayer, last month was about God. It was God of blessing. This month is God of love. Um, and so these formation prayers, they affirm and inform the things that we know to be true about the character of God. Um, and so the, the hope and the desire for these prayers is that we would be able to meditate on them and receive from the Lord the things that are true about his character, not just as we read them, but as we meditate on them and hopefully lock them in throughout the course of the month. Um, so first of all, if you'll follow this little graphic with me, this is hopefully something that's a bit familiar to you at this point, but um, this is how we hope to kind of enter into a place of rest in the Lord's presence as we do these prayer pauses. So we first relax, we release anything that needs to be released, um, that might be taking up space, competing um, with the things of the Lord. Um, things that might not be true about his character or things that are just simply burdens, right? That aren't ours to carry. So we release and we receive the things that are true in that space we're reflecting and refocusing on God. And we hope that over the course of that, not just in this moment, but as we choose to walk in this as a lifestyle, that we would move into a place of rest. Um, so tonight... God of love, we'd love to talk to you about the God of love. And that's what we're gonna talk about tonight in the sermon um, as well. Um, but the God of love, he truly is a God of love. And maybe when you hear the word love, maybe when you've um, experienced love in the past, maybe it's not at all um, what you've heard to be true about the character of God, that he's good, that he has good intentions toward you. Maybe that's not what you've experienced. Maybe that's not what you've experienced in the relationships here on earth when you hear the word love or when you think back on your experiences with love. Um, but the Lord has good intentions toward us. And whatever you came into this room carrying, um, whether it's preconceived notions toward the Lord's heart, toward you, um, whether it's memories, tough memories, experiences that you've had toward love, whether it's just, again, simply burdens, heavy things that you're carrying, the Lord has good intentions toward us. His love is pure and his love is strong. His love is fierce and it's good. It's good. And so can we dare to set ourselves up face to face where we catch a glimpse of his eyes, that we would dare to put ourselves in that place where we would just pause just for a bit and trust that the God of love will do the rest. But we gotta get there. We've got to put ourselves there. We've got to rest. We've got to enter in, right? So I'm hoping we can do that together right now and that the Holy Spirit would keep us in that place. The Holy Spirit would minister to our hearts that this wouldn't just be something we're doing for a few minutes right now, 
but that we would live and operate from that place as we walk with the Lord outside of these doors. So I'm gonna read this prayer in three different sections, okay? And the hope is that as we read, we would read this together, then we would just pause. After each section, just pause and receive. Release, release the things that are warring against the truths that are being spoken. Release those things, ask the Lord to help you and receive the truths about his character. So read this first part with me. God of love, creator and holder of my heart, you've held nothing back. You have loved me with all of you, more than I can comprehend. But you don't wait for me to fully understand before you come and take my hand. before and experience the power of kneeling. We're gonna talk a little bit about that tonight. Hopefully it's part of the scripture that we're gonna move through. But the beauty of being so overcome by his goodness that we can't help but kneel. So if, you're, if you would be willing, if it's something you're able to do, this next part, <clears throat> ask the Holy Spirit to have something stand out. Ask the Holy Spirit if your heart is flipping in any way in these words. Ask him why, but pay attention to that. God of love, your powerful, tender love encircles me. It draws me, it captures me, it unravels me. I'm tangled in a love that can set me free. I can't help but kneel before you in gratitude to think that you, Jesus, my King, would die for me, would dwell in me, God of love, your love roots me, your love establishes me, your love invites me to be honest with you. I lack nothing. You want to fill me with your love in every way. So I breathe deep, I thank you, I receive, I rest.
Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you that your love is pure, your love is devoted, it's undefiled in every way. It is constant. You're not scared of the bags that we carry. You're not scared of even our numbness. You're not scared of us. Your love doesn't hesitate. Your love doesn't depend on us. And Father, I pray that every single heart in this room tonight would encounter just an ounce of that love. Something new tonight for every single heart in this room. Holy Spirit, would you lock in a deeper understanding in our most, the inmost, our inmost beings, a deeper understanding of your love tonight. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
be the cry of our hearts to, tonight. That through thick and thin, through ups and downs, we will build our lives upon the foundation of Jesus. Sing this. would you read with me our, our offering prayer and let these familiar words really sink down deep because they're really rich in preparing our hearts to give back to the Lord. So pray with me. Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gift to us, your Son and your Spirit. Amen. Mosaic, like, why don't you stand and join me in this next song?
teach us to abide in you, abide in your love, abide in your grace tonight as we get ready to study the book of Ephesians. God, open our hearts to hear your word speaking to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can take a seat. Good evening, Mosaic. I'm Jamie Hess. And I'm Brian Hess. We have five kids and we've been married for 31 years. We live in Rogers and we currently serve as shepherds for Discover Mosaic. And tonight we're going to be reading the scripture passage and we've got two translations. I'll be reading from the NIV. And I'll be reading from the message. Okay, we're going to read from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And now from the message. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah in Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. Are you having fun yet? Okay, okay. Uh, you know, it's always a joy to be with uh, my family at Mosaic, and I'm, I'm not just saying that. And it's been a special joy the last several weeks that we've been uh, unpacking the book of Ephesians. And for a variety of reasons, Ephesians has always been one of my, my, my favorite books. Uh, I remember when I was in seminary, I had the option to translate one of several epistles, and uh, I picked the book of Ephesians from Greek to English. So I had to parse every verb. I had to go back into the geography of Ephesus. Uh, I had to look at the politics, all the religions, and Ephesus is an amazing town, amazing city. So just briefly, what are one or two things that are unique about the book of Ephesians? Well, one is who it was written to. 
Again, Ephesus is in what is now modern-day Turkey, and it has amazing ruins. If you ever go on a Holy Land tour and you have the opportunity uh, to go to Ephesus, I would encourage you to visit there. It really is amazing. Ephesus, a lot of folks don't know this, was the second largest city in the Roman Empire. Now, you know how big the Roman Empire was. It was the second largest city. It was a port city, so there was all kinds of stuff going through there. It had the seven, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Temple of Artemis. It had the Temple of Diana. So there was all kinds of religious stuff going on. And um, so who it was written to, but also how it was written. Uh, as I studied the book of Ephesians, uh, I discovered that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to kind of put it in two parts. So part one, chapters one through three, which we kind of wrap up uh, chapter three tonight, is the heavenly calling of the church. And in these verses, in these three chapters, Paul emphasizes Christ's love for us and our love for him. He emphasizes that vertical relationship. All he has, how much he loves us, what he's given us. And um, we have, uh, for example, when we come to this passage tonight, we kind of have a hinge passage because this sets up the move from part one, okay, uh, to part two. And in part two, we go from the heavenly calling to the earthly conduct of the church. So we go from his love for us, our love for him, and these first three chapters talk about love and power to, okay, so what? How do we live it out with each other? So chapters one through three uh, and chapters four, five, and six. Again, Paul lived in Ephesus for three and a half years. So these were his friends. He probably lived in Ephesus a lot longer than any other city. And um, five years later, he writes this book, probably from prison. So let's jump in. Uh, verses 14 and 15. For this reason, uh, and before we go on, you know, for what reason? Uh, he has some reasons, and basically, what this means is because of what I've shared in these first three chapters. Here's just a couple of things. Uh, chapter one, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing that God has belongs to us. He chose us. He chose us. And Paul unpacks this more and more. He called us to be holy and blameless. He wants to help us grow. Holy refers to our character, and blameless refers to our conduct. He wants us to become men and women with his character, with his mind, with his heart. Men and women who can live and look and listen, love and sound a wee bit more like him. And holy and blameless, blameless refers to our conduct. In love, he predestined us. I better go on. Uh, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He just doesn't want us to have information, but he wants us to have understanding. He talks about the riches of his glory, glorious inheritance of his saints, his incomparable power. And again, Paul talks a lot about love and power 
in this passage. Then chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. A lot of you have memorized this. For by grace we've been saved through faith. That not of ourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So he emphasizes that we can't earn our salvation. It's a gift. So for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. So again, after these amazing passages, Paul ends this first part of his letter in prayer. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I mean, Paul unpacks a lot of things here. Glorious riches, he may strengthen you through his spirit in your inner being. So, from where? Where are these blessings coming from? Out of his glorious riches. How rich is he? What does God have? He owns a cattle on a thousand hills as that old him goes, a wealth in every mine. Out of his glorious riches, we're told that God wants to supply all of our needs. We're told that God delights, he enjoys blessing his people. We're told that uh, he will never leave us or forsake us. Out of his glorious riches, what we are strengthened with power. Do you ever feel like you need power? <laughs> Do you ever feel drained? Uh, do you ever get so frustrated that you uh, that really don't care what happens, what goes on, get so discouraged, get down on yourself? Do you ever feel like you don't have what it takes, that sometimes people want too much out of you? I do. Some of us have some really high expectations. And time and time again, I feel like, God, I'm not sure I have the strength to pull this off. I'm not sure I have what I need. And then I think, no, I promise to supply your needs. Paul says that you might be strengthened with power. How? Through the Spirit. And it's easy to read that. I did for years, and through his Spirit, okay, we have the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't until somewhat later in my walk with the Lord that I began to understand the unique role of the Holy Spirit. I mean, some of you know my story. I was raised in a Christian home. I went to Sunday school 12 years, didn't miss a Sunday, perfect attendance. I, uh, but by the time I started college, I had uh, several hundred Bible verses memorized. I, I knew the Bible. I knew the Word. And I had heard about the Trinity, of course, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But I hadn't heard much really about the Spirit and the role of the Spirit. In fact, I remember at one point thinking that kind of functionally, uh, the Trinity was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Uh, because downloading information seemed more important than being responsive to and aware of the role of the Spirit in my life. It's kind of interesting. In uh, Romans chapter 7, at the very end of the chapter, Paul talks about some of the struggles he's had and how the hardest he tries, uh, the worst things go, and he says, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I end up doing. Have you ever felt like that? I have. I mean, most of us have good intentions. 
But boys, sometimes our buttons get pushed. Sometimes our triggers get pushed. You know, I got buttons, you got buttons, all God's children got buttons, huh? And uh, sometimes when those buttons get pushed, we react. Our mouths open up, or maybe our mouths open, don't open, but our face says a lot. And by the way, in communication, only 7% are the words that come out of our mouths. Replicated research shows that 93% of a complete message is our nonverbal and our tone of voice. So sometimes we don't have to say a thing, but that other person exactly knows that we're ticked off, that we're upset, that we think less of them. Have you ever been in a relationship where you didn't say anything and the other person asked why you were upset? Yeah, yeah. So um, we have these expressions that express things that sometimes we don't put into words. And so Paul comes at the end of Romans 7, a wretched man that I am. Man, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I can't get it right. The more I try, the worse I do. But here's a fascinating thing. In that passage, Paul uses the word I, me, mine 39 times. Check it out, okay? And it ends with, a wretched man that I am. He mentions the Holy Spirit, zero. And then he moves into Romans 8. And, and, and Romans 8 is about life in the Spirit. It starts out verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. Some of us are good at condemning ourselves. I am. I am. What an idiot. What a dork. I mean, are you serious? You know better than that. I mean, you are the mosaic, for goodness sakes. Okay? You memorize Bible verses. You teach, uh, you teach classes. Unbelievable. What a loser. What a zit on the face of life. Boy, it's good no one knows how jacked you are. Does that ever happen to you? It does to me. And that is the evil one. You see, Satan is the chooser of the brethren. And whenever you hear that voice and that message, and our mind is always going. And you know, I've said before, Satan's faithful. Satan's trustworthy. Satan is reliable. You can count on him to deceive, distract, distort, accuse. And when we're tired and weary, when we don't have prepared hearts and maybe haven't even spent some time in the moral temple, it's easy. We're more vulnerable to that self-condemnation that really is him. And what God has to say to us is a one easy. There is therefore now no condemnation, 8-1, Romans 8-1, to those who walk in the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, I'm with you, for what the law could not do, because it was in the flesh, God did, sending his own son. So, so Paul is unpacking in amazingly practical ways that it's not about just my effort or my trying or my learning more good stuff. That's important. But it's what I do 
with the good stuff that I learned. And it's that relationship of the spirit in my life. From where? Out of the glorious riches. What? Strengthened with power. I'll sign up for that. How? Through his spirit. Where? In the inner being. And, and, and what Paul means here is not just the brain, which is in our body, but the inner being, our heart. What we treasure. What we value. What's important to us. Where we spend our time. I found as a young Christian, I spent more time learning about God than I did being with him. Oh, the Old Testament, well, and the New, but the Old Testament, you know, wait, be still, listen. Uh, they got up early in the morning. Man, I, I, you know, when I was growing up, I was pretty, I, pretty sure that before Adam and Eve sinned, there wasn't mourning, okay? And once they sinned, uh, once they sinned, God said, let there be mourning. <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I was sure that the day started at noon and went to midnight. <laughs> yeah, but uh, actually that's not the case. That's not the case at all. So um, not spending time with him allows us to kind of stay here and do good stuff and know good stuff and but we're not developing that intimate love relationship with him. We don't become good at hearing that voice that over time we begin to recognize as his voice. And Paul does such a magnificent job of saying, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And I'm so busy, we can become so busy again doing stuff and that we don't spend time just to say thank you. Thank you that you're present in me and around me. Well, we've got to go on. <laughs> Where in the inner being? Why? Okay, comes to verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What does it mean to dwell? So that Christ may dwell in your minds, well, includes our minds, but no, your hearts through faith. Well, dwell means something very special, the word Paul uses. If I come to your house and, and spend the night or the weekend, I'm not dwelling with you. If uh, somehow like, I'm a relative and I come in and spend a month, I'm not dwelling. If I dwell with you, I've moved into your house. Your bedroom, a bedroom, not yours, a bedroom becomes my bedroom, okay? Your kitchen becomes my kitchen. Your fridge becomes my fridge. Your house becomes my house. That's what it means to dwell. Not a visitor, but a permanent resident who impacts us day and night, that Christ may dwell in your heart. How? How? <clears throat> Through faith. And, and, and again, that sounds so simple. We know about faith. Faith is a substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. I mean, we can, you know, faith. I've known your promises, you do too. But are, are, are there times when you're not aware of his presence? Sometimes, have you ever wondered where he is? 
Have you ever wondered what's going on? I mean, there's a promise keeper, eh? But, well, I'll tell you, I've had times. I, some of you know my story. I, I remember probably the most profound time. I was uh, at MD Anderson for my seventh cancer surgery. And after surgery, I woke up in ICU. I was told I'd been on a, a ventilator for several days. And uh, I uh, had tubes everywhere. In fact, I had tubes where there really shouldn't be tubes. Uh, very embarrassing. Uh, and uh, I, my mouth was sewn shut because of, of what they had to do. Doctor came in, and I'm semi-grogging. He said, well, he said, you're still here. Uh, because I was told it was a life-threatening surgery. You're still here. And uh, he said, we were able to save your jaw, so you look semi-normal. Not that I've ever looked really normal, but, you know, you look semi-normal. And he said, but he said, we had to remove most of your tongue. And we put, took muscle off his leg, put it in your mouth. So most of what's in your mouth is your tongue. You can't control it. You've lost almost all your taste buds, so you might never taste again. You've lost most of your salivary glands. And uh, <clears throat> he said, you won't be able to chew or swallow because you'll probably choke. And so you'll have a feeding tube uh, the rest of your life. <clears throat> he said a few more things, and as he walked out, I remember thinking, really, God? Seriously? I spent my life living for you. I spent my life serving you. I went to Bible college. I have two seminary degrees. I've written books for you. I, uh, I spoke to a million men and promise keepers in stadiums across the country talking about you and how you are a promise keeper. A few years ago, you took my dad and then my, my wife of 27 years, then my son, and then my sister in four years. But I, I, I didn't stop serving you. And now this, I'll never talk again. I won't be able to chew or eat or taste. I have a feeding tube the rest of my life. Great as I face with this. How do you spell fat chance? You know? And it's like God said to me, Gary, nothing of any major significance has changed. And somehow I knew, not primarily here, but somehow I knew what he meant. My love for you hasn't changed. You're my son. You're my beloved. You can trust me. I know what's going on. I know this doesn't make sense. But now's an opportunity to get out of the boat as you've never had before, to put your feet on the water. You spent your whole life telling folks that they didn't trust me. Well, there's a whole new opportunity for you to demonstrate it. And he kind of said some other things to me, but, um, but I was so aware of his presence, of his love, that he may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you've been rooted and grounded and established in love Okay, boy, Paul kind of just carried away here, huh? Rooted and grounded and established in love. What roots and grounds us? How much we know? That's important. No. What roots and grounds us is his love. It's a powerful, powerful thing. 
Then verse 18, that uh, you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I mean, Paul gets a wee bit carried away here. Okay? Um, wide, long, high, deep. What might that mean? Well, wide, in chapter 2, verses 11 to 18, Paul says that his love includes Jews and Gentiles. Uh, I think in Galatians 3, in Christ there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. So it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're red, black, yellow, white, mauve, taupe, chartreuse, okay? He loves you. He accepts you just the way you are. Long, it's, it's timeless. He chose us from before the foundation of the world. That's amazing. It's high, it's endless. Chapter 1, verse 3. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. It's deep. It reaches down into the darkness. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, he reached down to redeem those who were dead in their trespasses and sin. Before we were born, he left us. Before he, we were born, he paid the price for us. I love 1 Corinthians 2, 9. No eye has seen, ear has heard, mind has conceived. <clears throat> but God has prepared for those who love him. And then we come what to me was a revolutionary verse. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I, I probably memorized this when I was in junior high. But I remember when I got to Bible, I asked a Bible prof, how can you know what you can't know? Trick question. He smiled and said, well, dearie, Paul's using two different words for know. Paul's saying that you might know heart knowledge experientially in ways you maybe can't always put into words. Know the love of Christ that surpasses mere accumulation of information. He's talking about an intimacy with him. So, again, there are two kinds of knowing. Number one is head knowledge. Head knowledge is more informational, and head knowledge can emphasize the written word, but the fact all there is is not enough. You see, the scribes and Pharisees, some of them, had the entire Pentateuch memorized. They knew the written word. They knew the written word. They memorized it, but they didn't know the Messiah. And when he came, they killed him. There's head knowledge, but there's also heart knowledge. Head knowledge is more informational. Heart knowledge is more experiential. And heart knowledge emphasizes the living words, an intimate love relationship with him. And if you've been able to come to uh, the church here the last several weeks, well, you've been hearing more about his love for you and how he desires that we love him. An intimate love relationship, aspects of which transcend what we can put into words. There's a difference between merely knowing about him and being able to regurgitate truth about him and spending time with him. There's a big difference between those two. And he goes on, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How big, how powerful is God? Yeah, that's what he wants to fill us with. 
You see, friends, our mistakes, our failures, don't have to define us. In fact, your mistakes, my mistakes, my failures, my oops, what happens when my buttons get pushed and I can say things to folks I love that isn't kind or, or put people down or being negative and critical. But it's hard when you know you're right all the time, huh? <laughs> but we're not right all the time, eh? Yeah. In God's hands, our oops, our bummers, can actually be used to refine us and help us grow. It's his love for us and our love for him and each other that actually defines us. And now verse 20, now to him who is able to do all that we can ask or imagine. I'm sorry, I missed the word. Now to him who is able to do beyond all that we can, oh, how embarrassing. Uh, I missed another word. Now and then him was able to do abundantly beyond all. Oh, I'll get it. Okay. Exceedingly, abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine. According to his power. Here we have it. According to his power. <clears throat> Love and power are the themes of probably two-thirds of every novel, every poem, every play, every song. And in this part of Ephesians, Paul has been bringing together love, and as we love him and learn to live and look and listen, love, and sound more like him, we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? Love and power. That you may be filled to all the fullness, and then as we're filled with fullness, we can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we can ask or imagine according to his power. A number of years ago, probably actually 40 or 50 now, J.B. Phillips, who has a great translation of the New Testament, wrote a book. The book is called Your God is Too Small. When I read that book, I realized that sometimes the way I treat him, the way I view him, the role I allow him to play in my day-by-day life, sometimes my God's too small. My fears are bigger. My anxieties can be bigger. My concerns can be bigger. My pride can be bigger and more important. And I can spend more time dwelling on those than remembering who I am because of whose I am. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Verse 21. To him is the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Paul doesn't pray that they're able to talk better or perform better, but he prays that they begin to live in a radically new way. We're at the end of chapter 3, the end of Paul's hinge prayer, if you will, into the next section, which begins next week, chapters 4, 5, and 6. But here's an important question. So now what? So, so now what? You've got some great information. I, I, I hope you understand uh, this passage better, and maybe you've gotten some ahas about the whole book of Ephesians. So I, uh, you know, I, I hope it's been of value to you. But 
as we leave here and get in your car, you have places to go. Maybe if you get gas, stop at Walmart, maybe go get a bite to eat. You'll get home, you'll have your to-do list. It'll be so easy just to have this go. So what's one way that we might begin to apply some of this this week? Well, what has God tonight said to you about you? As I've tried to be faithful in opening this passage, have you heard God say anything to you about you? Maybe remind you of his love for you? Maybe some of you are in a dark time, some like I've had, and you're not really sure that he's there, and maybe this is a time for faith to step up. What has God reminded you of tonight? Based on Paul's prayer, how might each day to speak for you and I be a wee bit different? I thought and prayed about maybe what I could suggest to you and I have a suggestion that is so embarrassingly simple. But hear me out. This week, how might you and I go beyond head knowledge to heart knowledge? Huh? How might you and I go beyond head love to heart love? How can we know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? Well, here's an embarrassingly simple suggestion. I want to share with you a small, a very small, and fail-safe 30-second first step. Are you ready? Okay. It's four letters. It's the word pray, P-R-A-Y. What, what, yeah. I, I know about prayer, but stay with me. You're driving the car, and the driver cuts you off, and there's a part of you who wants to give him or her a gesture. A, a, a wave offering. But it doesn't have all four fingers. Okay? Or you say something. Or you walk in the door and your spouse says something or your kids and you're cranking, you want to react. And, okay? When you're aware that something's going on, that there's a disturbance, if you will, in the spiritual force. Okay? At that moment, okay, Ephesians 3, P, Pause and pray. Just say, God, I'm aware of your presence. I thank you for being here. Okay, we take maybe five seconds, unless you're slow, like me and have a hard time talking, okay? Uh, just pause and pray to yourself. R is rejoice. Before you share your consent, say, God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that I'm your son or your daughter. God, thank you for Paul's prayer and, and, and that we heard about last Saturday night. Thank you, God, that you love me with an everlasting love that you desire that I love you. Thank you. Just, just rejoice. If you're driving, thank him that you're driving. If you walked in, thank him that you're ambulatory. If you heard something, thank him that you can hear, because not everybody can hear. Not everybody can walk. Not everybody can drive. And when I went through so much of my many things with cancer and stuff, I was amazed at how much I'd taken for granted I had never, ever thanked God for. Nothing's too small to say thank you. Pause and pray. Rejoice and ask. God, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand this. I'm really ticked off. I'm sure I'm right. Well, maybe. Um, 
But God gave me wisdom, gave me discernment, helped me to respond with your heart, helped me to hear a wee bit more with your ears, helped me to see a bit more with your eyes. And somehow help your voice of kindness. Lord, help me to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. You don't need to go that long, but, but, but just ask. And then yield. That will be done. I love you. I'm your servant. And uh, actually, that can take 30 seconds. So before the light changes, you have already applied what we've talked about tonight. Not just having information, but you've said, Lord, I'm going to put this into practice. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute? P-R-A-Y. Right now, let's pause and pray. Ours rejoice. What do you have to be thankful for? Is there anything that maybe you haven't given thanks for today in the last week? Driving here, walking in here, we're all clothes. Most of you in here, I say, can see and just rejoice. And then ask, what's on your heart right now? He's in us, he's around us, he cares. In fact, he almost begs us to ask. Again and again. What's one thing you'd like to ask of him? And then maybe just yield. Maybe just say, God, I, I give myself to you. I give this day to you. I give my concerns to you. And I thank you that you are a promise keeper and not just a promise maker. And I ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And thanks. Let's take a moment. Selah simply means to pause, take a break. So we're just going to take about 30 seconds. Maybe you can continue to put into practice what Dr. Oliver talked about. Just take a moment.
by the blood of Christ You tore the veil You call us home Oh, what love What wondrous love is this You made a way For us to come
God is good. He is so, so good to us. So thank you for being here tonight. Thanks for coming and worshiping with us. Uh, hey, if, if this is your first time here, uh, there's some information on the screen back there. We also uh, have info booth in the middle of the four year. You can go check out. We also got a prayer team up here. If you need prayer uh, for anything, we'll have our prayer team up at the front. Please take advantage of that. Hey, we got Street Fest coming up. So uh, get excited. It's gonna be awesome. And so that's gonna be October 19th, 6 to 8 p.m. And so bring a, a canned good. That'll be a really fun time. Bring the kiddos uh, and just joy a really a fun time. All kinds of games and maybe a little bit of candy. I don't know, just a little bit. So it'll be a good night. So hey, uh, as we go to leave, I'd like to say, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And the people said, thanks, thanks be, be to God. God. Hey, you are dismissed. Love you, Mosaic.